Hey, group chat. I know y'all see my text. There's tea to be spilled. Each week, we're bringing you our unfiltered take on culture, news, dating, and our lives as Black millennial women. We're coming to y'all with the honesty and eye rolls that only a text chain with your girls can. This is Black Girls Texting with Chelsea, Glenn, and Shade. Welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Texting. It's me, Shade. Y'all gotta get my hair done, all right? So this is what y'all getting. Who am I joined by? It's Glenn. That's Deborah. It's Queen Chelsea Pinky. How it's goes it? Yeah. This bitch, oh, she got brand new. This too. bitch acting brand new. Don't look at me like you wasn't with uh, band aids on your hands two days right. ago. Okay. No, I'm, I, I'm nailless now. I just yikes. came home and just ripped them all off my hands. Yikes. Are those boy hands? Don't do that. <laughs> I really like how it feels, actually. I like not having nails. Well, you're not going to have them if you rip acrylics off of them. Yeah, Correct. You know, I don't care. I mean, everybody should get on the um the Opry or Opre wave. Yeah, yeah, you were telling me about that. You yeah, that I love too, them. Shade? When I need extensions, yeah. I don't do acrylic. Are you crazy? It's not 2010. Like, <laughs> that's terrible for your nails. <laughs> What's going to happen? Am I going to get poisoned? They're no, literally but your shaving nails get off so nail. brittle. They turn to like paper. They no, draw them. not really. I mean, <laughs> at the top of my nail, it's like strong. They just got to grow out. Um, For now. Like two weeks. All right. So vintage nail girl and Gilligan's Island. Ugh. Let me <laughs> jump in. On red or reply. This week, I'll start red or reply. So I'm replying to this like Twitter thread that's going on. It's basically called the African-American urge. And I don't know why I find these so funny. And they also also did like a Trinidadian one and like all these other countries. So it said, I'll read some of them. The African-American urge to say, I'm ready when you are, when you're Mm -hmm. ready to go. The African-American urge to scream representative instead of just talking to the automated systems. The African-American urge to say, why your shit is fucked up now when you see a car with damage driving crazy? All right, I don't get that one. Yeah, it's like, that's why your shit's fucked up now. Oh, yes. That's why your shit's fucked up now. When you see, like, damages and they acting stupid on the road. Correct. Oh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> the African-American urge. The African-American urge to say, I've been ripping and running all day after completing various <sighs> tasks. <laughs> <laughs> wow, oh, it's just us that does that. Running because it only what is rip, I mean, ripping and running. Go ahead, you probably say image. that the most. Oh yeah, oh probably yeah. ripping and running. That's very auntie, very auntie, well. auntie Glenn. Like, the mm-hmm. African American urge to say, "Child," when you want to communicate a myriad of emotions in one word. Girl, <laughs> you don't know how many times I say "child" a day. It's ridiculous. <laughs> The African-American urge to turn off unnecessary lights when you leave in other people's house. Shut it. always turning off the lights. I'm like, y'all, y'all pay bills? Like, I'm confused. I, I, I keep them on because I'm afraid. I don't like coming home to a dark house. Hashtag wealth. I was going to say, you got Con Ed money. This girl uh, said, I don't like coming home to a dark house. You leave your lights all on? No, I just leave a couple on, like in the hallway. And I'm afraid of the dark, so I don't like to sleep in the dark. Mm-mm. Wouldn't be me. How much is your How much is your Con Edison bill? Be honest. You give it like fifty dollars. What? Yes. That's crazy. That that's mine is that way cheap. more than that. I don't know. And I turn off my lights. I'm about to leave know. them on. Mm-mm. Somebody in your building probably paying your bill. They got the They got the thing fucked up. They got Maybe. the meter wrong. <laughs> oh fuck! I hate when they become to check the meter. I'm like, shit, my shit about to get annoyance, but. And then what I'm, wow, I actually wrote like shit. But what I'm leaving on red is another thing that I saw on the internet. And it basically said, signs you were raised by a mother who had unresolved trauma. Oh, yeah. Did you guys see that one? Mm-mm. No. So the I first don't know one, how you'd be figuring Twitter out. Or do you see it on Instagram? I see it on Twitter. Okay. She's she sees it on Instagram. Got it. <laughs> every, time I, <laughs> every time I talk about something, my fiance is like, um, that was on Twitter four weeks ago it's like, okay in. we don't know how it works yeah instagram is so late anyways, um i have um, a question okay real quick how how long have like the, my fiance how does it feel i know it sounds so funny <laughs> but then if i say my boyfriend i feel like that's, that's disrespectful. Wrong. yeah 
but that seems more natural. Right, right, exactly. Like I'm sure you've had to get like accustomed to changing the language. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. at our hairdresser today, um, Shade, and she was like, your husband. And I was like, well, he's not that yet. <laughs> anyway, so um, a mother with unresolved trauma, the first one. Her relationships with her own family members were strained, lacked boundaries, or were overall dysfunctional. The second one, you feared her emotional reactions and felt like you were walking on eggshells and had to hide parts of yourself. The next one, she blamed you for a lot of issues within your home as a child. In quotations, you made your father leave. I wanted to be stressed out. If I didn't have to take, oh, I wouldn't be stressed out if I didn't have to take care of you. Or my life was easier before you kids came along. Oh, that one was OD. Um, she she spent a lot of time comparing you to other people as a child, siblings, friends, coworkers, kids. It's just a list, and it's very interesting to reflect. Um, hope I would hope no one would have to check everything on the list, but some of the things I was like, oh damn, like you know. So it was interesting to think about, but also I was in Clubhouse, and there was a room. And it was an intergenerational conversation about mm. parenting. And I think this is when I see the good and beauty of Clubhouse. Because you have all, all these Black people, all different ages. Some are freshly married, new babies. Some are have teenage kids. Some are Gen Z and they're like 16, like in the conversation. Mm. It's so interesting. And like everyone was talking about, well, there were parents talking about how they have a teenager and she's about to get kicked out the house. She's doing X, Y, and Z. And then there's a teenager talking about, well, have you ever asked her, like, why she's so angry all the time? Like, Mm -hmm. so it was so interesting to hear the conversations. And Mm. I hope we continue to have more of these sorts of conversations. But yeah, that's my week. That's that could that could be a potentially healing space. So, yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting episode. And everyone was listening. I was shocked at the decorum that was shown in that room. But one mic, one mic. They were they were practicing one mic, and it wasn't even a cue. It was popcorn style. I see they like to do popcorn style these days. Like, yeah, the cue was annoying. The cue. Writing down Who the has names. time for that <laughs> shit? <laughs> Back channel yeah. to join the cue. <laughs> well, I guess I'll jump in because my reply kind of jumps off of your red. Um, I'm here in Orlando and I literally just ran upstairs. I'm a mother of two today, even though I'm not, but I'm with my cousin and her newborn and her almost two-year-old, her birthday's tomorrow. And I'm just like, Ooh, no time soon. And she keeps being like, Shade, feed her, burp her, Shade, put her in the car seat, Shade, pick her up, Shade, do this. She's like, get ready, learn how to do it. And I'm just like, Mm-mm. yo, Mm-mm. this is crazy. Like I was over here last night and I was feeding the baby. No, the baby had just woken up and her newborn, when she cries, it almost sounds like she's coughing. She's kind of like, ah, 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 ah. So I'm like, yo, <laughs> girl, I'm like, is she, is she good? <laughs> like, what's going on? Why she coughing? And she's like, that's how she cries. I'm like, oh Lord, well, at she's least she's hungry. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So her, so she's trying to like make the bottle. Meanwhile, the two-year-old is locking herself in the pantry and I'm like, <laughs> missed. How do you do this? And she's like, nothing even happened yet. (laughs) Nothing even really popped up. This is nothing. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, we're in for it. I can't imagine. I just got spat up on for like the 30th time. And I'm like, oh, honestly, last night on Clubhouse, there was a whole room about uh, potty training. It was so informative. Oh, wow. That's great. Potty training is so informative. I have one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say really fast. They were talking about how like it's different for boys and girls. And they heard that it's harder for boys because like mm-hmm. they can like play with their thingy. Mm. And, um, She was saying she learned this trick and put like a Cheerio in the toilet bowl and told him he has to aim for it. Oh, so it was like a game for him. Oh. <laughs> but like at least it was in the toilet bowl and like not on his toys or in the corner or wherever he decided. That is wherever. so smart. Yeah. <gasps> I love that. I won't gonna have great aim. I won't say which niece because <laughs> you know? I, I don't want to embarrass them on the on the webs, but I have a niece who literally, I think it's better, but like was afraid to shit. Like literally like it would scare her. I've heard of that. Before. So this was like, oh my God, we would have to like set up the bathroom to be like a, a spa oasis <laughs> for her to poop. Like a whole, like the iPad, the ambiance, the it's okay. Like, it's not scary. Rubbing her back and just like sitting there. And I was like, wow. When you were teaching Chelsea, did you 
ever have kids that were afraid of the toilet? Uh, I had kids that they weren't afraid of the toilet because I didn't work with threes. I worked with fours. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have a lot of toilet issues, like kids that would just know they have to poop or maybe I guess they didn't know mm. and choose not to do it in the back. Yeah, I had a lot of kids that were like afraid of the sound of the flush. We just send them in there with headphones on. Oh my god! Use the bathroom and then they would run out. Oh my god! Before it flushed. Oh, kids. Yeah. So precious. But but all in all, I'm replying, even though shit is crazy. It's it's pretty beautiful. Um, what am I leaving on red? I guess I'm just leaving um shenanigans of traveling on red. Like (laughs) I have so many things. I'm like, oh, is my bag going to be overweight? How do I distribute this? How do I carry all these things? And like, I've done it so many times. Like, I'm I'm tired of doing it. So I just gave my mom a bag. And I was like, actually, just keep all this shit because I'm going to be right back here in two weeks. And right. like, it doesn't make sense for me to like bring it back, to bring it down, whatever. Um. So yeah. Oh, my God. This is a total aside. My mom got her cu- closet like custom done by some company. I want to say it's I'm not saying a name because maybe they can sponsor me. No, it's Mm -hmm. a different company. But basically, like, they custom did her closet to kind of, like, the needs and the shape of her closet and, like, how my dad wants it to be for his side and how she wants it to be for her side. Oh, love that. So she's like, when you're ready, we'll have them come and, like, do your closet because she's like, I know you have a lot of, like, shoes and bags and you want that organized a certain way. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't wait. Yeah. Love that. A good closet. Mm -hmm. I know. I was like, are you going to forget my thing? She was like, no, because they're in the drawer that is for like getting ready for Miami. So I won't forget. And I'm like, oh, excuse me, because you got so many damn shelves and drawers. Like you you can allot them to shit like this. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's hilarious. (laughs) This makes life easy, you know? Um, On my end, I'm going to reply to our weekend in Miami uh, for Art Basel. And y'all will hear more about that real soon. But it was just like a fabulous fucking time. Like I was telling a friend of mine, I was like, we we spent a fair amount of time at the Soho house down there. And I was on the beach on my last day. And I was like, damn, everybody's so fine in here. Everybody looked good. (laughs) They could dress. And there was a whole lot of Black people in there too which i just fucking loved and it was also dope to just be around so many people from like our community people that we know from the city just down there like doing things accomplishing things getting bread for their work as Mm -hmm. creatives and it was fire so yeah more on that to come i'm gonna leave on red just this general state of like overwhelmingness i feel currently like Mm -hmm. i had a couple days off then i had to come back and get right into work and we're about to go into the holidays so there's just so much to like kind of wrap up up. I'm planning a 30th birthday. I um, I just feel like I have so much to do and I'm on deadline, a deadline that I have missed like I'm weeks, weeks behind on. Um, my reading group that I was in that I've loved at least for like the past four months, I've, I haven't read the last two books because I just haven't had the time and I'm about to drop the class. That's annoying. I paid for that shit. Mm. It's just too much on my fucking plate. It's just a lot. I'm even thinking like, it'll be great to go into the holidays, but then when you get back, you gotta do a bunch of shit because you've been away for so long. So I thought you were going to get a little break. I will, but I'm already anticipating like when you take a break and you come back and it's like, okay, so all this shit we just left when we fucking turned our computers off and right like the work again. keeps kind of coming in and you it just like break, so now comes yeah it just builds more work um well mm. it sounds like most of those things you can't really offload but some of the things you can so if you need help with anything you should let us know and let people know and mm-hmm. it's so true like i was trying to book a party bus and I just had all this drama not drama but the shits are expensive and I really want a party bus as a stripper pole it's like very important to me (laughs) and I couldn't find one so then I just hit up my home girl and I was like can you please do some research about these things and she was like are you kidding me of course and she like made a google doc and she's sending me the updates and shit and I'm like oh shit people will do things for you I don't ask for help like I really don't ask for help ever you should talk to Andrea about that Who's Andrea? My therapist. <laughs> I um, give her a new name every time. Every time. My homeboy <laughs> just called Pam. me. Like, exactly. Because that mine. was what it was for a while. Oh, that's no, that's mine. Yeah. Okay, I was like, there's a Pam in here. 
no my homeboy just called me like okay girl so what are we doing da, 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 da. and I was like oh, God. he wants me to not he wants me to I have to think about this but potentially adding another attire rec- uh, requirement to the weekend and I'm like I'm not about to stress these people out no, anymore please. I'm not doing it it's He's less like, than two weeks we're doing we're doing a black prep brunch and I'm like we're not doing what that. the fuck does that even I couldn't mean? break it break it to him just like preppy black black preps I mean, I can lean into that aesthetic for him, but we can't make it like a full on. I mean, I could probably put something together. I mean, if that's what you want to do. I know. I'm just like, I don't want to stress people out. Like, yeah, make it like optional and fun, like for some of the. No, you can't have an optional theme. Well, no, I'm saying like, don't edit the invite. Yeah. But then if you don't tell everyone and some people aren't in the loop, then that's kind of corny too. like, damn, I would have brought my outfit if you told me, you know, right. It could be like a side text. Yeah, I'm now I'm gonna text all these motherfuckers individually. But don't edit the invite. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is editable, right? Girl, just go on to be a chat. Oh my like, lord. I can't cannot cannot anyway. Uh, well, okay, I'm thinking of what I'll do then. <laughs> I don't know. Just wait to, for the confirmation on that. I gotta buy a fucking prize, whatever. It's a long story. Well, I guess that could be the hotline bling. Clearly, you're gonna be uh texting all of us with <laughs> updates on outfit changes and shit. Yeah. Wait, okay. Do you feel like, how do you feel going into 30? Mm, I don't know. I feel like I already feel like an old fucking woman with 10 kids. What? Well, that I can assure you, you are not. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't have fresh spit up on your arms, so you're good. Correct, correct. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I have to see when it hits. I feel like I'm just, I'm not, I don't know. It does feel wild. I'm like, wow, I've lived a lot of life, even though it's still a not like super old yeah like that's 30 is a lot of years i think i'm 30 that's crazy 30 is a lot of years but like it's also not that many years think about how long the world has existed okay (laughs) she said that if you can't see she was like looking out into the stars as she said it i mean it's true it's not that long it's not you know y'all are about to be there all I right. can't wait to Don't, not be the only uh, person in 30. In I've got some time. Circle. Sorry. I've got a few years. You don't got actually. that much time. I do. Y'all, I've got coming, time. Y'all. Yep. Wait. <laughs> I, I, see, Chelsea successfully confused us. Two seasons are going to change, and I still won't be 30. So you will be, same. You will be turning 30 in the coming year. I don't know In the coming year, but you're going to have to Chelsea go through will, a winter and a spring and a, and a long <laughs> summer before it happens. That's all I'm saying. Listen, it's on the horizon, sis. It's cra- but people say that once you get out of your 20s, it just gets better. They say that. We'll see. They say that. They're like, you just like let go of a lot of shit. Like, I don't want to let go. All the time. But I'm more so, I'm more stressed about like, oh God, I gotta get my shit together and have procreate. God help me. No, you have 30. time for oh, that. Oh, but in your 30s. Yeah, in, yeah, in your 30s. In your 30s. In your thirties, but it was nice being like. That still is a that still I'm is a pressure. I'm twenty eight. I'm twenty nine. Leave me alone. And then yeah, I know be exactly. Like, right exactly. now, what, bitch? There's a three in front. I know. So but yeah. you know what? Life is vast, and the only reason why you would feel that pressure is just simply from an ovary standpoint. And Correct. We're, going, we're coming into a new world. They might figure something out for us. This is also true. I mean, they already have. You can freeze your embryos. Mm -hmm. I personally don't want to be too old, like carrying, just because it's like, ooh, child. (laughs) Back and shit. Your Mm -hmm. knees, your back. Yeah. Oh my God. See, I did it. Ooh, child. See? See? Look at that. The African American urge. (laughs) That African American urge. And y'all knew exactly what I meant through all of that. (laughs) It just summed up all of it. Correct. Oh my word. Um, but okay, so hotline bling, is it gonna be Glenn updating us on our black prep? That you get to wear that. I have another one, but we can like discuss it maybe further like on the Patreon. But the person that I'm like be having sex with, it, uh, they had they got COVID and they just started seeing the light of the world and they're just getting all deep and shit. Mm. And we had a long fucking conversation yesterday and I was like word huh yeah I mean I feel all of that I know but when you fucking go like okay 
Yes. We're, we'll like, we'll unpack that in the, for the patrons, <laughs> but interesting. Yeah, my goodness, that's a black girl doing shit. All right. So we are super, super stoked because we have our black girl doing shit somewhat in the flesh. Like she's here. She's not with us. Um, She's in the Zoom screen in the boxes. But we are joined by Blair Amani. You go by pronoun she, her. And you are an L.A. Times bestselling author um, of your book, Read This to Get Smarter, an award-winning educator, historian, influencer, also have authored Make our way home and modern history and the new york times has praised you saying you have a unique ability to create progressive lessons vibrant visuals and a perky quirky delivery um your work centers around women and girls global black communities and the lgbtq community and as an educator and influencer and a public speaker you've just dedicated i think so much of your work to making the world a better place amplifying voices and i love this work of those fighting the good fight so we Mm -hmm. are so honored to have you on our show because you literally epitomize a black girl doing shit so want to give you that award and welcome you onto the show. Thank you. I received that. Yes. You know, I'm just really a black girl doing shit because I'm really just trying to do shit like so often every day. I'm just grateful to be doing shit because <laughs> I think a lot of us are out here trying to do shit and we have all these systems of oppression stopping us from being able to. And for those of us who can, we have to make waves for other people to be able to as well. I love that. And I particularly love the way in which you go about like kind of sharing just getting people together in, in a very <laughs> kind way um, with love we- <laughs> I just did a lesson on that I was like with love, when I mean this with love mind your business I love you <laughs> I'm obsessed but before we jump in you spilled a little tea before we were recording so we want to break the news here on Black Girls Texting. Can you repeat what you told us earlier? Mm-hmm. I sure can. I'm going to be developing a children's television show with the Jim Henson Company. I just met with them at the Jim Henson lot uh, over in Hollywood, and I couldn't be happier. I mean, I'm working with some greats. Like, I I can't I can't wait, and I'm really excited too because uh, one of the people that on my team is Sydney Clifton, who's an amazing Black woman who has braids all the way down to her waist. And uh, she just has been behind a lot of the shows that we hold near and dear. And so I'm really excited to to be doing that and then to not have to fight for Black folks to be part of it for them to be part of it from the jump. Yes, congratulations. That part Thank too. You. Major congrats, major congrats. You deserve all the flowers. And thank you for the BGT exclusive in here. Always. We, we joke that people... You know, they join us, and then the next thing they know, they're like, "Have something." Telling all my business, or they're spilling <laughs> the beans. I think it's because I mean, I literally broke the news to my parents in a group text. So I think you you're, you've locked the formula. That's where yeah. people are spreading news these days, and people just feel yeah. comfortable. Exactly, you know the vibes. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, BGT listeners, have you ever seen a vitamin water display at your local store? It's like walking into an actual rainbow. Is it just me or are the flavors of vitamin water insanely attractive? Plus, with titles like Energy, Revive, Focus, Refresh, Essential, Power C, and Triple X, it's easy to pick a flavor to match your vibe. The real flex is flavor. Don't forget to check out the newest flavors, Gutsy Watermelon Peach and Look Blueberry Hibiscus. Hey group chat, it's your girl Sade here and Sprite Winter Spice Cranberry is back and now available with zero sugar. Enjoy the cool, crisp taste of the Sprite you love, refreshed with tart cranberry and a warm spice blend that's perfect for the holidays. And now we are back with more Black Girls Texting. All right, y'all. It's time for the group chat. So we we spoke about this a little bit earlier, but I would love to know more about your IG Reels, um, Smarter and Seconds, and how you got started, because it is really just like a genius way to, I think, share things with folks with our sadly short attention spans, but in mm-hmm. such an eloquent and like fun, educating manner. Like, Comprehensive. Yeah. Thank you. I think the first thing is that I have ADHD and I've been diagnosed as having ADHD since I was eight. I've been on medication uh, just about that long as well. And that works for me, but it doesn't always work for everybody. And there are some things that you can intervene with treatment and medication, but there's other things like 
my very quick ability to be super interested in something and then be super interested in something mm-hmm. else. And so Smarter in Seconds is great because it allows me to fulfill that desire to get super deep into research for one thing and then go to something else immediately next. But also mm-hmm. I think it's beneficial for folks who have ADHD or just who don't have a lot of time because of capitalism to do deep mm-hmm. dives into different stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we do at least try to have 30 seconds, 60 seconds on different subject matter. And so it's been a really great way to break things down. The one that I think I'm most proud of and the one that has been most popular this year was the lesson I did with the Wampanoag Nation, who were the people who unfortunately encountered the pilgrims and were trafficked and enslaved by the pilgrims. And what was really beautiful is a lot of those folks look like my family. I mean, Mm. it was so frustrating in the comments to see people go from indigenous people don't exist to, oh, indigenous people don't look black. But surprise, surprise, both Indigenous people exist and Afro-Indigenous people exist and, and are thriving. I worked with Cara Rosells and I've been just able to work with such a beautiful kaleidoscope of different people in different fields from different backgrounds and just tell those stories in ways that people want to consume, which is increasingly shorter. And, you know, we just trying to get people smarter in seconds. <laughs> you answered my second question perfectly, which was going to be like, if you had a favorite or one that you feel is a must watch. And so, boom, done. Oh, you have another one. So I think the ones where I like tried to like that one was very, you know, intentional, very deep, and they're all very intentional. But I like when I can be like a little bit sassy at the same time. The lesson I did on rainbow washing, which is like when companies Mm -hmm. lie to look more LGBTQ plus Mm -hmm. inclusive, greenwashing, when companies lie to look more environmentally friendly. Like I just love telling it like it is because if there's one thing you can't do in 30 seconds or 60 seconds is mince words. You just got to tell it. Um, but I love doing the one on ghosting. I did a lesson on ghosting yes. too. Yes. That was fun. I got to do some fun transitions. Like yes. if somebody snaps, disappears. That was a fun one to work out. I also really love doing the ones with my dad. I did one and on the Tulsa massacre with my dad. It really wasn't until that point that Papa Imani realized how much work goes into Smarter in Seconds. Because he's just saying like, oh, my bubbly daughter just doing what she does in real life on the internet. And then when he was like going through the different script lines with me, he was like, oh, this is kind of hard. And you <laughs> I really like the one you had on how to apologize because I love that you have things that can be like educational, if you will, but also just like teaching people how to be better people, which education, of course, like stems from that, but also just something that is so simple. Like we all could be better about those things. So I love those moments. It's like that meme, like, are we just all adults walking around unsupervised? I really feel like that is so intensely true. Like sometimes I'm just like, don't don't I need a chaperone? Like, what is this? (laughs) Um, And there are a lot of things that I've learned growing up with my younger sister who's autistic, you know, just trying and my my partner, Akeem, who's autistic as well. So many of of those accommodations have to do with disintentional communication Mm -hmm. and not having people assume that you're going to act a certain way or behave a certain way. Like if you need somebody to come and comfort you, letting them know, hey, I could really use a hug, right? now? Or can I have a hug, which is not something that we're taught to ask for in society. We're really taught to expect that we expect everything Mm -hmm. to be a rom-com where you can just read people's minds and that doesn't work. So Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to help people be intentional communicators and intentional human beings. And, and what that looks like is just thinking about everything before you do it, which feels a lot more stressful. What I have that look like for me is like when something, when I'm late for something, or when somebody's late to come to something for me, okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to think about how could this go? and try to plan ahead. And right before I go to sleep, I try to think, okay, what are the interactions I'm going to have tomorrow? And what message am I going to try to share? It's like very lofty. It works out. It's actually once you like incorporate it into your life, instead of like thinking, it, I tr- what I've done basically, I spent all the time thinking, oh, what did they think of me? How did that go? I actually just spent all that time mm. thinking about the next thing. How might this help go? How might this work out? And then how can I plan for it to work out? And it's helped me a lot with my anxiety as well. So it's just, it's all Ooh. great stuff. No, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm just thinking the same thing. Yeah. I have that post anxiety of like encounters with people like, oh my God, like what was I giving? Mm-hmm. How was I coming off? So I think that's really great advice. I did something recently where I was talking to somebody. They, the person has one eye and the other eye, they use like a, a prosthetic or like a glass eye. And I was telling a story from, you know, like earlier. So when I was arrested in Baton Rouge, one of the women that was super nice to me was named Miss Yolanda. And she also had one eye. And I had always just mentioned that, like it was like a funny character quirk. And then it was in that moment, talking to somebody who had one eye where I realized actually it's kind of high key ableist for me to describe Mm -hmm. that one thing about her as if it's like this weird all about thing. And it was Mm -hmm. the most awkward thing in the world to stop and go, hey, so I just now realizing that it's likely pretty ableist of me to mention that I've not told the story in front of somebody who had one eye. I'm going to stop doing that. 
I'm now like, you know, it's just, it was basically real-time accountability. She was like, and she's becoming like a close friend of mine or like, we're getting closer and closer every day. But she was like, oh, that's totally fine. Like, I didn't see anything wrong with it. And I was like, I didn't either, but I didn't want to be like up at 3am thinking if I acted cringe, (laughs) if I could just get ahead of it and be like, was this better? Was this just better of me to say like, was that Mm -hmm. weird? I'm going to not do that. Sorry that I was weird to you. Let me just handle it. And it's just, my life has been better. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's really refreshing. Sorry, just to hear you check yourself or check in with yourself and call yourself out in the moment you know I think yeah it's hard but it's necessary Mm -hmm. absolutely I'm just wondering like when you do plan ahead if things don't go not necessarily how you plan but like if you go in with a certain intention and you're like okay I'm giving this my all and then maybe things still kind of fall out of place like how do you it's inevitable so my mom tells me and I have to do a post about this eventually but she says detach from the outcome you want to go in with your best intention you want to plan for the worst expect the best or hope for the best but detach from the outcome because you can't predict you know we are not you know folks out here who could predict the future even though some of my family members do believe they have visions you know it's really one of those things where it's like the show that's so raven like she was out here trying to like prevent future catastrophes from happening and then causing the catastrophe (laughs) herself so you really just have to like so the way that I do it is um something I also learned from a key which is worry management so if I'm afraid that something's gonna go wrong like uh, I did my book launch and I was afraid people wouldn't show up well that Mm. makes I better make sure to invite a bunch of different people follow up with them so that they do show up so sometimes when we have a worry we just need to manage that worry instead of dismissing it Sometimes the worries are very, you know, like they don't make no sense. Like nobody likes me. I'm, nobody's coming to this. It's like, okay, let's check in with myself. Have I been rude to people? Have I been horrible to people? Is that actually just my anxieties and my self-esteem that I need to work on in therapy? Or is it something that I could actually change? And, you know, maybe I'm feeling guilty because I am not being the best person with people. And those are kind of the things. I mean, it's no perfect, you know, I keep, I was telling my uh, executive coordinator Vita today that I need to stop trying to make like rules for the universe and just kind of go with the flow so sometimes that's the answer too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh my gosh I was watching this youtuber she talks about like dealing with nasty messages and she's like people will say like you're terrible like no one likes you and she's like sometimes I literally have to be like am I terrible does no one like me dude it's so true because being an influencer my biggest fear is being called a sellout so I have to Mm. make sure I'm not selling out which means I have to say no to checks when it doesn't align with my values yeah you know that's what you got to do that is hard to do. It's expensive to do, but it's more <laughs> worthwhile because people can't tell you you're a seller if you're not selling out. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Because even if they call, call you it, you already know your truth, mm-hmm. right? And I'd be exactly. like, actually, no, I texted my friend Shay and I said, Shay, should I do this? And Shay was like, no, that's some sellout shit. And I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like that could be the, the formula right there. I- guys might be on to something. You gotta have a friend that's gonna tell you to check yourself. I mean, ultimately it's your decision, right? You gotta have friends that's gonna root you on for whatever, you know, like go off girl, like you get it. Then you have to have some friends who'll be like, "Mm, that's some bullshit. Think about that twice. And then you have to figure out based on your own, because you can't, nobody can do that spiritual homework for you. You gotta do it Mm -hmm. yourself. Then you gotta figure out what to do. If it's worth it. Yeah. And if it's worth it, let me work it. Put that thing down, flip it and reverse it. You know? (laughs) I'm obsessed with you. (laughs) <laughs> it's so crazy seeing your personality like come like actually in real time because I was I've been watching so many of these reels and I'm like oh you're incredible Thank this you. might be too soon for Glenn this might strike forward but we've been recently watching the new revamp oh of sex in the city I don't know if you've seen it listeners spoiler alert slight spoiler nothing that's that's too crazy but basically Miranda character on the show is going back to school and she's kind of like really leaning into these like cringy older white woman moments like very cringy but at the same time she's trying to be like but I learned not to do this and like I don't just want to be someone who wears the pink pussy hats and like I'm sorry and like apologizing for everything and being really really awkward and it made me think of a lot of your work and even your book read this to get smarter which is really intense intended to be like an approachable guide for people to be more socially conscious. I always am like teetering between the the lines of like, okay, I want to help this person because I know that ultimately they're just a bit ignorant, but also like, girl, how do I know that was ignorant and stupid as hell? So So let me just tell you that Cynthia Nixon would low-key be at every protest in New York, so low-key. 
like as a human being like this was before you know she was running uh for office Mm -hmm. and stuff Mm -hmm. but like the woman that plays Miranda I've met her many different times like I actually have a picture with her and I was just talking to her but you would be in or I'd be an event and it would be like for trans rights and I'd turn around and she'd be in the crowd and she was just like super low-key so I really feel like she must have like really pushed for that character to be there like she's the learnable moment because she's like totally she's on point like she's somebody who knows how to be low-key and show up to something and do things right which I really admire and encourage more people do but I think that she's definitely probably trying to be like the teachable character yeah because at times it's like gather yourself get it together like if everybody's yelling at you that you need to not be transphobic Dave Chappelle then you should listen you know like instead of being like well come and teach me it's like you have so many access to resources you have so much money you have a responsibility to your fellow person and I posted about this recently you can't expect to grow at somebody else's expense and I might even add, unless you don't pay them, because mm-hmm. you can't just be out here expecting people to teach you and demanding that emotional labor from folks while you're cashing checks. Like clearly that's going to help you do better in your career and better in your life. It's going to be something that's an asset to you. Just like we don't expect therapists to do their work for free. We shouldn't expect healers, justice workers and educators to do that work for free. Exactly. I mean, I noticed that you have a Patreon, right? Yeah. Like these are the you things. Patreon.com right? forward slash Blair Armani. Uh, check that out (laughs) but yeah it's those things but I don't make the amount that I make public because we live in a society where we don't want any black woman making any type of money I mean we've seen what's happened to Ijeoma Aluo when she talks about uh what she was making from her speaking gigs and stuff like it's kind of this perpetual mess of Mm. you know they'll say support black women but as soon as there's a black woman out here thriving it's turned around to oh well you don't deserve to have that I I had to really check a lot of my followers with that with influencing somebody said that I was like you know not selling out because I'm like not living my values but just because I'm getting paid and I'm like I'm sorry do you have you have a job okay I'm not going to call you a sellout because you're a lawyer unless you're a certain type of lawyer I'm going to expect, oh, hey, you have, you're doing labor and you're getting paid for that labor. Like until we no longer live in a capitalism, we should not be shaming people for making coins and using those coins to survive unless they are being dehumanizing or harmful or not being justice oriented. We don't always know other people's intentions when it comes to dehumanizing people and black women are universally dehumanized, as we all know we are often expected to continue that dehumanization and not expect to get checks. We're expected to be the Mammy, the Jezebel, the whatever, and play our role in white supremacy instead mm. of being able to be autonomous human beings that need nice things. I feel like that should be on a shirt. Yeah. It's very long, but like it ends with that need nice things. Correct. <laughs> it could be one of those shirts. You know how they do those shirts? It's just like a wall of text. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then in bold, that need nice things on the bottom. Because yeah, exactly to your point, I feel like people expect, especially if you do any type of like activism, that you're supposed to just be like walking around with like the same tethered t-shirt every day. And it's like, no, like you can speak up and and stand in what you believe is right. And also like you should be paid for the work that you're doing. Like Or like, let's get really nitty gritty, okay? You can be walking around looking cute. I'm much more concerned with somebody who's buying something from an ethical company that mm. doesn't have a messed up supply chain. Mm. I mean, let's talk about Fashion Nova. Fashion Nova was called out for doing wage theft where they were not paying their workers equitably. That same year, they gave how much money to the Black Lives Matter organization? I would much rather they had gone back and gave that money to their workers that they had done wage theft for. Wow. These things don't make sense. Like, I don't care about companies that are giving a portion of their proceeds to whatever if they have workers who are homeless and living out of their cars and, you know, they can't make the money to commute every day, but they're forced to come in. Like, this is, these are ongoing issues. Like, when you are trying to be intentional, it literally starts inside of the house. So for myself, you know, I hire everybody and I pay everybody who does work on Smarter in Seconds. I work with illustrators like uh, Cam Musea, who does work with me. I have an executive coordinator. And it's like with my executive coordinator, she has health insurance with me starting in January. And that was set up because if I'm trying to help you keep, if I'm, if, I, if you're working with me and we're in a pandemic and I need you to be healthy and I need to be healthy. And if you get sick, I need to be able to make sure that as your employer, I'm taking care of you, especially in the U.S. economy where healthcare is dependent on employment. Like these yep. things just don't make sense where they have freelancers getting tested every you know, two weeks to keep everybody safe, but they're not paying for those tests. And so like I talk about socialism in my book, but you also got to live that life, you know? Mm-hmm. 
I would love to dig deeper into the the world of socialism with you. It's not on my my docket, but you said my favorite (laughs) word. Can can we potentially do a quick smarter in seconds? Like, could you let me grab my book really quick? Please edit this part out where I grab my book. Thank you. People running around thinking socialism means we all going to be eating Franks and beans. That is not the case. But you know what it does mean? That maybe we'll all be eating because a lot of folks are hungry. About that Correct. <laughs> okay. Can we talk about that? Talk about that? All right. Let's ah, see. <laughs> so uh, I have a, an under, a breakdown of socialism, communism, and capitalism. And I think those are very important things to break down separately because a lot of folks get very anxious. I mean, I have stats in here. And the reason why I don't really talk about how I discuss socialism in my book is because I wanted people to buy it. Right. Um, and in the United States, I have a little 42% of US citizens approve of socialism, but 91% of US citizens approve of the post office. So how we have 91% of people loving a, show, a socialist program mm. with only 42% liking socialism, make it make sense. Mm. The math ain't mathin'. But it's because socialism in the United States had been framed as the moral antithesis of capitalism and Mm -hmm. capitalism equaling freedom. But capitalism fundamentally included slavery, which is the absolute benefit of the capitalist or the employer to the absolute detriment of the enslaved person who we would not call a worker because hopefully worker means that you have wages. But we have things in the United States like uh, prison labor where people can make a maximum of a dollar fifteen per hour to do things that would you'd get paid a salary for outside uh, of of a prison environment. And then there's these policies around not hiring felons. And it's this whole scheme of racial capitalism that's deeply problematic that Dr. Sharice Bird and Stelly discusses. She's somebody y'all should highly, highly have on the podcast. Um, she met with me on December twenty fifth, twenty twenty talk to me about this stuff because I was like oh I'm not gonna talk about class in my book and then I saw some of her oh, tweets and I was like you know what let me get on the phone let me get on the phone and try to figure it out okay but smarter in second socialism let's do it <laughs> socialism is often viewed okay I'll do this thing the voice smarter the voice. in second yeah yeah smarter in second socialism socialism is often viewed as the opposite or antithesis of capitalism but in reality it is simply another way to think about economics and politics Socialism advocates for community or social rather than private regulation of production, distribution, and exchange of capital. It prioritizes all members of of a society as opposed to just a few ruling few, with all things created by that society being distributed to benefit all members of that community. It's important to note that socialism and communism, while related, are not the same thing. Communism is the organization of of society without private property, class divisions, and labor divisions. Socialism is often considered to be the bridge between communism and capitalism because it is the organization of society based on limited private ownership, class divisions, and labor divisions. Smarter the more you know. (laughs) The more you know. Smarter in seconds. Thank you so much for doing that. I, I have the dream where we'll one day get to this like beautiful utopia, but like it's so crazy how much of like I mean, if we take it back to like the Red Scare, McCarthyism, like everyone freaking out about communism, that mm-hmm. it gave so even socialism this, and like, not it just this that, dirty word that it could append white supremacy because yeah, in the United right. States, we don't just have capitalism. We have racial capitalism. Racism, yeah, right. And so if we have any type of politic that is not capitalistic and as Kwame Ture says, every economic system must answer one fundamental question. Who will own and control the wealth of the country? The question can only be answered in two ways. Either a few will own or everyone will own. It's as simple as that. But in the United States, everyone owning looks like white supremacy not being able to function as it does because everyone is not just white people, despite what the all lives matter crowd wants to say. (laughs) Also, Chelsea, you heard that in the back. You heard the quote was from your Trinidadian fam. Get on board, (laughs) Chelsea. That's our (laughs) (laughs) co-host. Oh my gosh. I really appreciate you for breaking that down for us. Everyone, if you are confused, you need to go get the book so you can get, get even the book. smarter in seconds. And with that, I'm going to abruptly transition to my next question. But you you said- Wait, can I just ask a so quick question, Chade? Yeah, of course. You're, in your definition of smarter, mm. like h- how- how do you define it? Right. Because we're, we're talking about emotionally smart and yeah, I don't know if you could just. I got you. So mm-hmm. um, basically I'm not going to read you from my book, but it is in the book. 
which you can get at any place books are sold, audience. No pressure, pressure. <laughs> Smarter. Okay, so the way that we understand race being socially constructed to benefit politics and oppression, right? Like over 600 years, like they didn't even start out with their definition of race, these Europeans having to do with color. That was added several hundreds of years later when they ran out of shit to add to it. And then Mm -hmm. they remixed it. We get things like colorism, which folks should learn about from Dr. Sarah L. Webb at Colorism Healing. I keep shouting her out because I've been going through her modules because I'm trying to get like the colorism residue in my family sorted before I have offspring, which is not anytime soon, but you got to do that internal work. Anyway, (laughs) as we understand race being socially constructed to benefit political systems and oppressive systems, uh, specifically racism, we don't really often think of smartness or intelligence being understood in that way, but it very much is. Ableism and the way that we look at chattel slavery, people would be called insane if they had tried to self-liberate, if they had tried to escape you know, the bondage of, of enslavement. And so if we can understand that people are ascribed things like idiot, the R word, which I won't say, you know, insane, stupid, daft, fool, all of these things being understood kind of universally as somebody who is lesser. Mm-hmm. Well, if we add in things like cognitive, you know, disabilities, developmental disabilities, then it actually is connected to a system of oppression, that one being ableism. And so when we have these metrics in schools that say, if you can't take a standardized test, then you're not smart. Mm -hmm. It's actually more correct to say, you're just not able to be measured in this one way. Mm -hmm. But if somebody's illiterate, it doesn't mean, and they take a reading test and they fail it, it doesn't mean that person's not smart. It means that person can't read uh, or that person hasn't learned to read yet. So I really look Mm -hmm. at smartness and intelligence as the ability to apply knowledge, apply information and acquire skills. And there are so many different ways that that can be, you know, measured. There are only so few ways that we measure it in society. So when I say smarter, it's not saying that people aren't smart. It's that, and it, but, but it is to say that there is no pinnacle level of smart. There is only smarter. It's this progression. It's mm-hmm. not the, it's not the nothing or the everything. It's the process of getting there. Yeah. And, and to that point, like you back to the apology one, like you have things that people don't even necessarily like equate to quote unquote intelligence, I guess, emotional intelligence, but it's like so many ways in which you could just kind of like, I think better yourself. The way that I look at it is um, decolonized human interaction. And that's something that I've learned about from Dr. Shea Kill McLean, who's at Hood Biologist. He's just been teaching me about how all of these vestiges of like European colonization have really been centering about us treating each other like garbage. Like even things like Maya Fino, who's at Savage X Fatty, uh, she talks about how, mm. and we did a lesson together for Smarter in Seconds, that the idea that we cannot govern our own bodies, that's rooted in colonization. So that being, yeah. oh, you need to eat this. You can't have that. Uh, you can't be sovereign. That's literally white supremacy and Eurocolonialism saying that we can't be the boss of ourselves, you know? And so it's so deep. It is that yeah. deep. And so when we break down, it, it's really decolonizing everything, the way that we can decolonize, the way that we communicate to each other. Because Eurocolonialism tell, and, and patriarchy especially tells us to double down. Like when somebody messes up, they're not going to go, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me be vulnerable because they're afraid that capitalism will strike and throw you away. But what we actually need to do is be really transformative in the way that we approach things, throw away the people that are just destructive instead of the folks that are trying to do better. So you actually gave me the perfect segue to the question I was going to ask. So now it's not even random. We keep pulling it back together. (laughs) What are your thoughts on cancel culture? I just talked about this on the Bad Queers pod. I think I have different takes, like a different perspectives. I talked about on that podcast how sometimes when people want to cancel folks, they'll use it as their excuse to like dehumanize. And so like when we're talking about like how the baby hasn't shown up around like HIV AIDS and LGBTQ plus conversations consistently, like he just ghosted them. And I was like, that's wild because I just did a lesson on ghosting and a lesson on AIDS. HIV AIDS. So for this perfect occasion, people will use that as an excuse to be really anti-Black and then be really colorist where they talk about this different stuff. I think that cancel culture, as we understand it with people who just consistently are garbage and double down, whether it's patriarchs who are, you know, sexual predators, and there's no other way to like kind of take them down than than to have a vocal uprising against them and that power dynamic. I think in that context, it's not even almost accountability culture, but it keeps getting framed as cancel culture. What I'll say is cancel culture is not people taking issue with somebody and then deciding to pull up everything in the kitchen sink and throw it at them. That's just bullying. <laughs> That's not okay. Whatever, like, you know, however we understand council culture, I think if we can break it down into different components, it makes more sense. There's bullying, there's harassment, and then there's trying to reach somebody who has more 
privilege than you and has more power than you and is refusing to listen. So you're aiming to try to compel them to listen, whether it's through protest, whether it's through boycott, whether it's through mm-hmm. um, a tweet thread. And then there's harassment and people conflate the two. Mm-hmm. But it's like the difference between helping someone off the stage and throwing tomatoes at them is kind mm-hmm. of what I think people misunderstand. Because sometimes what we need to get to is for helping that person off the stage, up the stage letting them know that what they said on stage was unacceptable instead of, you know, getting them two more Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was very specific. Mm-hmm, girl. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> feel like cancel culture is not a bad thing per se in the way in which I've defined it, which is really kind of, yeah, getting that person's attention. And, and it really is ultimately rooted in capitalism in that once you start to hurt someone's pockets, mm-hmm. their ears start to perk up. And mm-hmm. I think that we should not continue to support people with our money when they don't align with our beliefs and our values. It just like doesn't make sense. It's like, why would I give money to like someone who's abusing me? Like it just right. like that, that that logic doesn't make sense. to me. Meanwhile, so like, America continues to be the most abusive boyfriend any of us have ever had. I mean, oh my we God. Out here having to give you that how is- much taxes. Child, if I didn't have to. <laughs> right? A mess. But that's the other side of it is that in we have the dynamic of it hurting people's pockets, but then we have criminalization and policing. And I think that there's too many folks out here who talk about doing transformative justice who are very ready to throw people away who are already dehumanized by other systems of oppression mm-hmm. and have the ability to grow and learn and change have demonstrated a willingness to grow and learn and change but because all of us are out here traumatized that grace and that mob mentality sometimes overtakes the the grace that we could be extending absolutely and yeah that's a big distinction i think too especially because i think a lot of people when it is black folks especially black men it it becomes this interesting dynamic where it's like okay the person is being canceled, but then people want to jump and be like, now they're being racist towards this person. Right. And I'm like, no, like maybe some people are, but like, that's not the intention of what we're doing here. And 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 the two quickly get conflated. And so that's why I really like you saying, like, pull them off the stage and versus the the tomato throwing. But yeah, my thing is also people need to stay in their lane when, mm. you know, a certain someone I'm not I can't I really can't get into specifics anymore. Oh, I miss those <laughs> days. But anyway, when a certain white woman comedian decided to come to a certain black man comedian's aid when he was being called out for being homophobic, this was before the pandemic, had him on her show. That was not her place to do because mm. she wasn't the one who was being harmed. If somebody mm-hmm. is harming the black gay community, somebody from the black gay community needs to be the one to mend those bridges. We don't need to have other gatekeepers who are completely, who, who benefit too much from systems of privilege to come mm-hmm. out here and being like, oh no, it's okay. Um, I think it really actually, you know, I mentioned colorism earlier. Um, I was called out by Darkest Hue, um, the page uh, who does yeah. so much amazing work because I was being out of pocket. I had said um, that light-skinned black women don't have better things to say about colorism. You're just less threatened by us. That demonstrated one, I'm exclusively thinking that I'm speaking to white people mm-hmm. on my page, which is problematic. Mm-hmm. Two, and most importantly, there do- there's nothing revolutionary about somebody who benefits from a system of oppression talking about that system of oppression. Like that is not revolutionary. I did nothing to subvert anything. And like I was doing the thing I was talking about while claiming to be against it. Mm-hmm. And I had all these white folks in my in my comments being like, yes, girl, you go. And I didn't even stop mm-hmm. and reflect on how this is actually just perpetuating the problem. And so um, now whenever I mention colorism, I mentioned Dr. Sarah Webb and, and Darkest Hue as well, because that's where I've learned so much of what I need to heal. And also people shouldn't be listening to somebody who's my shade about colorism. They should be listening to folks who have the expertise and the lived experience when it comes to that. Um, and so I got called out and it was really difficult. It was really embarrassing, but I ultimately like was just trying to do the right thing. And I was like, you know what, you're right. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna take a step back. And I need to take I need to have a better appreciation that even as an educator, it's not my job to educate about everything, because there's also pain and trauma that comes with that. Um, and so like, it wouldn't have been the place of a white woman to be like, Oh, no, it's okay, Blair, don't feel bad. Because of course, she's gonna say don't feel right. bad, because that's 
privilege. And I can't look at other people who are the same tone as me, who also benefit from colorism to say it wasn't that bad. I need to look at like the, the tons of folks who are saying, nah, Blair, you need to take a step back, who experience and suffer from colorism and listen to them. And so that's what I tried to do. Um, I will say that I didn't do it fast enough. And that's part of the, you know, the hubris of privilege. But I think that it's been a constant reminder of like, I don't want to set myself up to be so far away from the point that I'm running right into it, you know? Um, And yeah, it's like, that's just, I think what a lot of folks need to do. Like the biggest part of cancel culture is that people, like, I don't think I was trying to get canceled. I think that people were trying to call me in. And if I decided not to be called in, then I could have been claiming cancel culture everywhere. But it really takes people being reflective and you can't force people to do that. And that's maybe the most dangerous thing. Yeah. Shout outs to Darkie Sue. She's come on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we've learned a lot from that page. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and uh, I want to have you back on to talk about so many subjects. Like you I have know. no idea. This is like <laughs> hopefully just the beginning. Um, before we wrap up, I'd love just for the listeners to just kind of learn more about aside from your work, just like you as a person. And I love on your website um, that you kind of have this disclaimer, which I must read. Um, You kind of have an FAQ page and it says, just because we are curious does not mean we are owed answers about people's personal lives. As you look through the answers to these often asked questions, kindly remember that none of these answers are owed to you, Mm -hmm. which yes, thank you very much. With that being said, (laughs) I would love to just know more kind of about how you identify. Um, I, I listened to your TED talk, Queer Muslim, Nothing to Reconcile. Um, you just talked about kind of like navigating one. I didn't, I didn't know this, that you actually grew up Christian and converted to Islam and just more about um, discovering and understanding your sexuality and just where all these intersectionalities connect. And, you know, maybe there are other folks out there that identify with you. And I just love them to kind of like hear from you on that experience. Yeah, for sure. I think that like, so yeah, I definitely grew up in the Baptist church, uh, going to Second Baptist down in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And that's so much a part of me. Like one thing I, I love, I love Islam. I love going to mosque. I do miss the gospel music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still be out here rejoicing. I love Stomp by Kirk Franklin. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> a classic. That's classic. on a all classic. my playlists and people look at my playlist on Spotify and they're like, Blair. And I'm like, I don't have, I can't explain it. I can't. <laughs> Jesus, your love is so, is so amazing. It gets me hot. Anyway, so like you don't leave that stuff alone. And in Islam, we do love Jesus. You know, we have different beliefs about uh, the deification of Jesus, but it's still very much a part of the faith. And so um, I grew up in a very affirming household. I came out to my parents uh, when I was 15. Um, my brother is also gay. And we both experienced this constant, like intense affirmation from my mom of like, so are you coming out yet? So are you coming out yet? So it was kind of the opposite of a lot of parents, um, unfortunately, and a lot of unaffirming environments that people are forced to grow up in because of these systems of oppression known as heteronormativity and cisnormativity. Um, But when I came out, my mom was just very affirming. And Mm. I never grew up in an environment where people were, you know, telling us the lie that God doesn't love gay people because God doesn't create things he doesn't love. Um, And... I think that when I converted to Islam, I was so confident being a Muslim. And then of course you have Islam and then you have Muslims, just like you have Christianity and you have Christians and you have, you know, Judaism and you have, you know, Jewish folks, like you have uh, the people who are aspiring to that belief. Mm -hmm. And then you have folks uh, and then you have the belief itself. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about this um, uh, on, uh, I think some other discussion about how if we all wear the same perfume and we put it on everybody and we understand this perfume being religious, say it's all the same religion, Islam number five, and we put it all on ourselves, (laughs) it's going to smell different on everybody because Mm -hmm. we're all bringing our own Mm -hmm. oils and our own, you know, but in our case, baggage, trauma, personal understanding, Mm -hmm. everything else. And it's going to smell something, it's going to smell different on everybody. And so it's absolutely okay to remember that every Christian does Christianity differently. Every Muslim does Islam differently. And then Judaism is not just uh, religious identity. It's also, you know, ethnic identity. So there are, Mm -hmm. you know, Jewish folks who don't practice at all. And 
these are just parts of who we are. And of course, those aren't the only three religions, but I do be talking Abrahamic quite frequently. Um, and so I think that like, I, ha I have folks reach out to me all the time and they're like, Blair, how do you find peace? And I'm like, I find peace knowing that I breathe life every day. I'm a very religious person and I have the gift of life every day from Allah. And, you know, I feel very comforted in that I don't feel doubting of myself. The way, the places I get that doubt from is from other people. Mm. And I know because of the way that our, you know, um, uh, belief system is set up is that people aren't the ones judging me. They might be the ones judging me and shading mm -hmm, me, mm -hmm. but my soul is not on their, you know, timetable. My, you know, my soul is with the law. And so I get very bold about that. That's another thing I learned from the Baptist church is that, you know, sometimes you could throw a little religious shade at people and tell people to mind their own spirit. Oh, mind your spirit. With love. With love. Mm. And that's that on that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. I swear I could talk to you forever. We definitely were, are going to have to have you back, especially Please. with our third co-host here. But is there anything else you'd like to share? Let the people know before we go. They know they better go get that book and you better follow her on Instagram so that you can get smarter in seconds. But anything else that you want to shout out to the good listeners of Black Girls Texting? Not um, in a religious kind of like who? <laughs> I know, right? Let's, let's, can we get anything? Can we get an amen in the comments? Um, I don't know. I just hope everybody stays hydrated. You know, holidays coming up. Don't feel like you have to make all these new resolutions for yourself. You can just be you. Um, mm -hmm. Don't feel like you got to answer Uncle This and Auntie That's questions. Just you know, just flow. Just do your thing. And uh, there's a place for you out here. I, I love telling folks this, like there are so many like stores in New York city that people pass by every day. And somehow those stores stay in business. Um, sometimes cause they're a front for drugs, but other times <laughs> it's because they have an audience and there's always somebody out there who wants to hear a message from you. And it's really up to you whether or not you share it. So always just remember that, that there is a place for everybody. There is a place for literally everybody and you can be a place for other people. That's so beautiful. I love it. Can you tell amazing. I grew up in the church? Amen. Uh, amen. I'm like, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you so, so, so much. much. And you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Toodles. Toodles. So this week, our what would you do? If you want to email us, what would you do? Don't forget, you can email us at hello at Black Girl Sexing. And what is it? Chardonnay. All right. Go somewhere with yourself. Uh, we actually got this from a patron. We got this from a lovely patron. So become a patron, that part. Hey, BGT, I have a what would you do? First, I want to let y'all know that y'all will be becoming aunties January 2022. I'm currently 31 weeks pregnant with my first child. Oh my God, congratulations. Congrats. So cute. It's a boy. And his name is Zion Atlas. I love oh that. Oh, I love, love that name. I love that name. Come on, Zion Atlas. That's a two name. You got to say both. Yeah. It's, he sounds famous. Famous. But of course, this joyful time has been nothing but a disaster because my baby daddy is real life crazy. No. Ooh, won't take meds or do any type of follow up mm. appointment with specialists after being institutionalized four times in the last mm. year. Oh, dear. Okay. We don't take mental health lightly. So we're going to explore this one. This was the reason why I left. When he's good, he's a great guy, of course. But when he has a mental break, it's bad on the level of blackout violence violent behavior that he can't remember after the breakup i found out i was pregnant and i'm truly concerned about the safety of our child if i leave him alone with him he thinks being unreasonable he thinks i'm being unreasonable but i'm just trying to be precautious ahead of time i've even trying to make compromises like if he doesn't want to take medication okay at least go to a therapist consistently so your behavior is being monitored or we just or we can just do family stuff until our son is old enough to be able to alert me when stuff is wrong Instead, I just get verbally abused and called vindictive for voicing these concerns. Am I wrong to be concerned? What would you do? P.S. He's Jamaican. Thanks, Chelsea. You could have given me a heads up about these island men. Chelsea's not going to claim. Chelsea's man is Eros. That man. Chelsea's not going to claim Jamaica. Wait, um, before we say anything, this sounds really serious. And yeah. I, we, none of us have any professional, like, abilities so mm -hmm. i definitely think you should speak to a professional whether that be like some sort of like social worker or like mm -hmm. i don't know 
therapists because I think they have like certain duties if things seem too dangerous. Um, yeah, I feel like if there's anything we can answer here, it's the last thing you asked, which is if you are wrong to be concerned. And I'll kick it off and say that, no, I don't think you're wrong to be concerned. Um, That's a very valid concern. However, how you go about addressing that concern is where I think you definitely are going to need to lean on your community and professionals, as Chelsea said, because it's very sensitive, um, especially if this person has been going through things multiple times. I, I definitely think that, you know, Whatever you do, there needs to be some type of like supervision with you involved until you guys get to a good place where you feel comfortable leaving your newborn with their father. Mm -hmm. But how you get to that space of like communicating that and all that fun stuff in between, I think is going to be, you know, uphill battle. I won't be frank about it. Like, I definitely think it is. I definitely have dealt with a lot of folks with mental health issues in my family and it's not easy, but to Chelsea's point, there are professionals and there is a way to get aid, but that person also has to be willing. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. I think I was, I was just going to say, I think at this point too, like the stakes are even higher because mm-hmm. there's a baby on the way, a baby who can't defend themselves or speak for themselves or, you know, anything. They're just relying on you and the decisions that you make for them. So just another thing to keep in mind. Yeah, I can only hope that once the child is here, that there can be continued conversations about what's best for the the kid, and that your mm-hmm. the child's father understands the 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 severity of it, and that yeah, I don't know, it's a very real concern to have, and it's sticky as hell. Yeah, because like you said, you could bring in a professional, but are they going to be ready to do it? And then is it going to create more? tension because they feel like they're being forced to seek help that they don't want to seek or that they don't think it's a big deal all these things but it is a big deal I don't know some kind of mediation I don't know this is a a tough one I wish you the best and I think you said that you broke up with your child's father um it's probably for the greater good of your own like mental health and wellness like you don't need the stress of that right now. Just focus on having a safe and healthy delivery. Yes. You know, that's very true for now, as much as you can try to keep calm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's also super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sending you love. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And keep us posted on how things go when baby's born, all that fun stuff. BGT aunties. Love us some Zion Atlas. (laughs) Love that name. I love that name. Yeah, congratulations. And thank you to everyone that sends us what would you do? Yeah, I kind of want to leave some air for that. We are excited to to talk to you again next week in the group chat. Mm -hmm. All righty, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Black Girls Texting. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, and don't forget to text every group chat you're in and tell them to check us out. Follow your girls at Black Girls Texting and we'll see you next week. Bye.